Hi, this is Josh, and welcome to the Baseball Week, a weekly look around Major League Baseball. It is Memorial Day weekend, wishing everybody a good holiday. And Memorial Day weekend is traditionally a good time to kind of step back, take a look at how the season's going so far. Uh, baseball works really nice like that. Three holidays, Memorial Day, July 4th, Labor Day are great markers uh, to really observe what's going on in the season and what is still to come. Uh, so we will do that this week. Uh, before we do, though, let's take a look at uh, Player and Pitcher of the Week. And for Player of the Week, we're going to go with Austin Meadows of the Pittsburgh Pirates. Austin Meadows had a great week among the league leaders in most of the big offensive statistics, OPS, and uh, all the others, OPS, on-base percentage, slugging. Really, really nice week all around. Made all the more impressive by the fact that this is really his first full week in the major leagues. Austin Meadows, a rookie with the Pirates, just was caught up very recently. Uh, in his first full week, he performs as well as any player in the major leagues does. So a great start to his career. Uh, this Austin Meadows, an awesome first week for him. And for our pitcher of the week, I want to give that to Daniel Megden of the Oakland Athletics. He had a great week, two starts. Uh, his last start just the other night was a complete game shutout. A brilliant performance. He had another uh, seven-inning shutout earlier in the week. So two awesome, awesome starts uh, for Daniel Magdan of the Oakland Athletics. Oakland's been a bit of a surprise so far this year. We will look at them more as we go through around the league, but congratulations to our player and pitcher of the week. And we'll also take a look at our team of the week, which is the Houston Astros. Had a wonderful week. They've had incredible starting pitching this week. Uh, this week and this year, uh, through their first 50 games, the Astros pitchers had allowed the fewest runs of any team in the live ball era. It's any team since the 1920s. Incredible statistic, incredible pitching. Now, uh, their last couple of days, they've given up some runs, so a uh, couple of tough days, but everybody has that. But overall, brilliant, brilliant pitching by the Houston Astros. Uh, historically good so far. And in fact, the Astros still have the top three ERA leaders in the American League. Justin Verlander with an ERA barely over one, leads all of the majors in earned run average. Garrett Cole second in ERA in the American League, Charlie Morton third. So that one, two, three punch for Houston has been brilliant. Their other starters, Dallas Keuchel and Lance McCullers, nothing to uh, sneeze at either. It's a great, great starting staff, a solid bullpen, really good offense. They have been one of the best teams in baseball so far this year, and they look to be a team to be reckoned with as the season continues. Uh, so Houston with a loss, only one loss this week, uh, coming on Saturday, and this not including Sunday's games. So from Sunday through Saturday, Houston with a really nice winning streak, and then just one loss on Saturday. So a one-loss week certainly deserves them our team of the week. And one interesting note from this week, uh, take a look at a couple notes from this week, as uh, games include what the Tampa Bay Rays are doing with their pitchers. Tampa Bay's starting relief pitchers. Uh, last Saturday and Sunday, they started Sergio Romo with their, one of their setup men in both games. Uh, this current weekend series against Baltimore, they're starting relief pitchers. This is no, we're pretty much all of baseball history. We have the starter starts the game, pitches. However long he pitches, then the relief pitchers come in. That's when he's the starter, he starts. Tampa Bay is having the relief pitchers pitch the first inning. Uh, part of the logic behind that being that other teams' best hitters hit in the first inning. Let's have a relief pitcher who's used to one inning, get those guys out, 
and then a starter who oftentimes will struggle more in the first inning than in the middle innings. Let's have him avoid facing the best hitters in the first inning. He gets some protection there. He comes in the second inning, faces hitters that maybe aren't quite as strong. So that is part of the theory behind it. It'll be very interesting to see if this works, one, and if this catches on, two. Uh, this could revolutionize pitching if it does catch on, a brand new way of doing things. Tampa Bay seems like about a 500 team, uh, record-wise so far at least, but this is certainly makes them a team worth watching because this is a very intriguing thing going on that on the surface seems a little bit unusual. It is very is unusual, certainly. The surface seems maybe a little bit strange as well, but in five years this could be the norm if this catches on, so it's a very intriguing story to watch uh, Tampa Bay here. Tampa Bay, by the way, started Sergio Romo in those two straight games last Saturday and Sunday. He's the first pitcher to start back-to-back games since Zach Greinke with Arizona. Zach Greinke did this in kind of a really quirky way because uh, Greinke started a game. He was ejected in the first inning right away in that game, started the next day because he was still fresh and so thrown so few pitches, pitched a few innings in that game. Then the All-Star break happened. Then the first day... After the All-Star break, Zach Greinke started again. So Zach Greinke started three straight games. Three straight games as a starting pitcher. Three straight team games. Really a very quirky, quirky statistic there, and a fun statistic, and our statistic of the week uh, in that game, uh, or in those games for Zach Greinke. Uh, So Sergio Verma with two straight starts, and there's more starts by Tampa Bay relievers to come. And if that wasn't our stat of the week, this would have been it. The Atlanta Braves on Sunday scored five runs, or I should say scored six runs coming from five runs down in the bottom of the ninth to beat the Miami Marlins 10-9. So a brilliant comeback there, six in the ninth to win. The last time Atlanta did that was exactly eight years ago in another 10-9 win. That went over the Cincinnati Reds. So every eight years, looks like Atlanta, they get that 10-9 win in dramatic fashion. Uh, so Braves, we'll talk more about them in a few minutes, but they're off to a really nice start this year. Another quirky stat from Sunday. Uh, the Baltimore Orioles were shut out in a game where they recorded 13 hits. 13 hits, no runs. That's tied for the most hits in a shutout since at least the 1920s. Uh, in fact, Baltimore had, well, I should say only one team had more hits than Baltimore did on Sunday. Baltimore had 13 hits. The Yankees had more hits than that. No other team had more than 13 hits who played on Sunday. And Baltimore did not score any runs. So very quirky again. Uh, very quirky statistic again there. And it's fun to talk about the individual games, the individual stats. But we also want to take a look at the larger picture of Major League Baseball at this point in the season. Um, we want to take a little division-by-division division look on this Memorial Day weekend. And we'll start with the National League East, which has been one of the best and most intriguing divisions in baseball thus far. The National League East has kind of been back and forth between the Atlanta Braves and the Philadelphia Phillies at the top of the division, which no one really expected. The Washington Nationals were supposed to take this division. This is Nationals' division to lose. And the Nationals are very close to first place. They're having an all right time. They've had some injuries. Uh, some struggles, but they're only a couple games out of first, so there's not panic time there or anything, but the Braves and Phillies have both been big surprises. Uh, in fact, currently the Braves and Phillies, uh, Braves with a half-game lead as of this recording, uh, but the Nationals won back as of this recording, so they're all right there, but the Braves and Phillies may be the two most surprising teams in baseball. If not, they're right, right up there. 
two very young teams, two teams that really struggled the past few years as they were rebuilding, two teams that had great glory years that have passed them, they had their rebuilding years, and they look like they're reemerging as contenders for years to come. The Braves have brilliant young hitters, Ronald Acuna, Ozzie Alves, a great one-two punch. They still have Freddie Freeman, who endured all those tough years, and he's great. He's just one of the best players in baseball every year. Nick Markakis, the veteran, is having a great year. He's among the NL League leaders in hitting. And the Braves are really nice starting pitching, too. Bullpen, not ideal, but not terrible. And the Braves right in there uh, in the National League East and in the National League. The Phillies, too. The Phillies really struggled the past few years, haven't really been good since 2011 when they had the best record in the National League regular season. But the Phillies this year have really good young players. Adubel Herrera has been brilliant. Uh, Reese Hoskins, Cesar Hernandez, Scott Kingery. A lot of good young hitters on the Phillies. The pitching staff, though, for the Phillies has been the biggest surprise and the biggest bright spot in a lot of ways. There has been big question marks in that pitching staff. They've got Aaron Nola, Jake Arrieta, a really strong top two. But after that, a lot of question marks. But those question marks have been exclamation points so far. Vince Velasquez and Nick Cavett especially have been really strong leading the helping lead the Phillies to a really nice start. The Mets are right in this race too. They were only a few games out, a couple games over five hundred. So they're still in contention. They started out really hot. They've struggled a little more since then. And the Marlins are in last place, which is what most everyone thought. They are very much rebuilding right now. But the NL East is a really good division, really intriguing division to follow as the season goes on. Another really intriguing division is the NL Central. Speaking of divisions with four teams above 500, the NL East has it. The NL Central has it, too. So it's eight of the ten teams in these two divisions above 500, which doesn't say much for the NL West. We'll get to them in a minute. But the NL Central, Milwaukee Brewers, great start, best record in the National League at this point. Uh, they've been really, really strong. And they're a team that surprised people last year, almost made the playoffs, uh, stayed in contention with the Cubs right till the very end of the NL Central race. And this year, the Brewers, with a few-game lead in the division, they've just been really, really strong. Uh, surprising uh, starting pitching, again, by the Brewers we talked about. But the Phillies, the Brewers have had surprisingly good starting pitching as well. And so the Brewers, the team to beat so far in the NL Central, the Cardinals, above 500 consistently. They look like a really solid team. The Cubs, they've been above 500 too. They look solid. Haven't really emerged as much as people thought in third place right now, or tied in third place with the Pirates. But the Cubs are a team full of talent, and they're a team who's been underperforming their run differential so far. And so they're a team that really could make a run in the, in the weeks and months to come. Pirates in fourth place, or I should say tied for third place with the Cubs, a percentage points behind the Cubs currently. The Pirates have been a big surprise. Talked about the Braves and Phillies being surprises. The Pirates have been a big surprise as well. Not a lot of people thought they would be in contention this year, but they're doing it. And the Reds mired in last place. Uh, the Reds and Marlins, similar records at the bottom of the National League. And it looks like the Reds are still kind of rebuilding, trying to figure things out. They still have Joey Votto. They still have some really good players, but it doesn't look like it's their year. The NL West is interesting because Arizona got off to a brilliant start. They were a team of the month for April. Then they started struggling. And A.J. Pollock, their brilliant outfielder, got hurt, unfortunately. And it's been a big struggle for Arizona. They are right now at 500. This is a team that, again, team of the month in April. One of the best records in the major leagues the first five, six weeks of the season. They have fallen all the way to 500. 
one and nine in their last ten games, and it's really the last few weeks has been a huge struggle for them. They're in second place. They're only a game and a half behind the Rockies, who aren't tearing things up either, but have done enough to be in first place. Giants are in third. The Dodgers are in fourth. The Dodgers are four games under. They've been maybe the most disappointing team in baseball, but they are three and a half games out of first place, three out of the loss column. So a good week, and the Dodgers would be in first place despite all their struggles, all their injuries. Team, they're getting Clayton Kershaw back. Uh, They got Justin Turner back, maybe their best offensive player. So as bad as it's been for L.A. so far, they still might be the favorite in this division. And the Padres in last place, uh, they're a little more out, six and a half out. Not out of it, but it looks like a rebuilding year. It looks like they're still a year or two away. And that's the, the National League thus far. I should say one other note about the National League. It's interesting to look at run differential, uh, which, while it doesn't necessarily translate to a team's record, is an intriguing way to see which teams have been outscoring their opponents and least and have been most dominant as far as gross runs scored. And if you look at that in the National League, the team with the best run differential is the Cubs, uh, who are in tied for third place in their division again. The Braves are second. Third is the Washington Nationals. And if you go, there's a handful of teams that are well above, at least above 10, 20 runs, uh, plus positive differential. The one team that doesn't really seem to fit, because all these other teams are above 500, they have positive run differentials, makes perfect sense. The Dodgers are plus 22. And again, they're four games under 500. So, like I said, they might be the favorite in the NL West still. And those, those stats seem to say that this is still a team you need to look out for. By the way, our trivia question of the week is, what team has the best all-time run differential? Uh, if you can get the number of runs, that would be a remarkable job and major bonus points. But if you can get the team with the best run differential, that's very impressive, and we'll reveal that at the end of the episode. Uh, for the current year, looking at the teams with the second and third best run differentials in baseball, those are the two teams that are really separating themselves in the American League East. That's the Red Sox and Yankees. Uh, not the first time this has happened. The Red Sox and Yankees way, way up. Red Sox have a one-game lead on the Yankees, a 10-game lead on the third-place Rays. So those teams, major separation. They also have the two best records in baseball. So they've both been great. Not a big surprise, but the fact they've separated themselves this much early on is a little bit surprising, at least in my opinion. Uh, Tampa Bay and Toronto, both around 500. And Baltimore, farther back, been a big struggle for Baltimore this year. Manny Machado's been brilliant for them, but the big question is, will they trade him since he'll be a free agent after the year? The AL Central has not been very good this year. Uh, I talked about the NL West struggling. The AL Central has struggled even more. Cleveland's in first place. They're a game over 500. They're in first place. Uh, No one else is at 500 in that division. Detroit's three and a half back. Minnesota's three and a half back. They're both six games under 500 then farther back are the Royals and White Sox. So that's been tough going for this division. Cleveland seems like the class of the division. They've really underperformed so far, but they should be fine. They should improve as the season goes on, and their plus-16 run differential says that they're a little bit better than their record shows, uh, most likely. So still the Indians division to lose, certainly, and despite all their struggles playing around 500, they still have a nice lead in the division thus far. And the AL West is really interesting. Houston is a one-game lead on Seattle. Houston is a plus-122 run differential. That's way more than anybody else. The Red Sox are second at plus-77. Houston's a plus-122. So they have uh, way, way more. They have over 40 runs more in their differential than any other team. 
So they're doing very impressive work there. They only have a one-game lead in the division, though, in the Seattle Mariners, who have a plus-12 run differential. So major, major differences there. Uh, but Houston, they're off to a really nice start. They don't have a record quite as good as the Red Sox or Yankees, but the run differential says they should be getting even better record-wise as the season goes on. Although, again, run differential doesn't always match up with the team's record. Some teams just do really well in close games. Some teams just don't do well in close games when they win more blowouts, and that can skew the run differential. So, one of those things, but it's a good estimation tool, at least, to take a look at. Again, the Mariners, just one game back. They have Robinson Cano suspended for steroids now. They have D. Gordon just got hurt. They've had some injuries, but they are hanging tough. Uh, John Paxton has been brilliant for them. The guy who threw a no-hitter, no-hitter a few weeks ago. He's had a few really, really good starts for Seattle recently. And they're an interesting team to watch. They've been a bit of a surprise so far, I think. Anaheim Angels third. They're... Doing fine, five games over 500, solid start. Oakland's been a surprise. They're three games over 500 in fourth place. Not a team a lot of people thought would be above 500 at this point, but never count out the A's. They tend to surprise people quite often. And the Texas Rangers, they've struggled there in last place. Uh, but the American League, it really looks like the three best teams in baseball, the, to this point at least, are Houston, Boston, and the Yankees in some order or another. And the three American League teams there are really interesting to watch. And a lot of other intriguing teams around the majors, but three teams that a lot of people thought would be really good heading into this year, Houston, Yankees, Red Sox, they are all really good. Some teams people thought would be really good. The Dodgers, in particular, not doing as well. Cleveland struggling a little bit. But all the teams that were expected to be really good this year are still in contention. Uh, the fun thing is that there's teams that were not expected to be good this year. The Braves, the Phillies, the Athletics, who are in, right in contention as well. So really fun start the uh, first couple months of the season and a lot of intriguing races. Every division is close at this point. Every division, in many cases, has a few teams that are really, really close to first, which would make for a lot of great pennant races as uh, spring heads into summer and summer heads into fall. And that's something great about baseball is that we can take a look at here this unofficial start to summer and say, okay, this was the first part of the year. This was the spring of the year. Now let's take a look at the heart of the year beginning, the summer of the year, so to speak. And baseball just matches up so well with the rhythm of the year. And this, we talk every week about something great about Major League Baseball. Well, this is something great about it, is just the rhythm of it and how the rhythm uh, does um, imitate the rhythm of our year so well. But here it is, when winter thaws, spring training begins, when spring really starts, the season begins. Now summer's starting here. You can tell the weather's getting warmer in so many places, and the Major League season is heating up a little bit as well. As we're kind of done the initial part of the season, we have a feeling which teams are best, or at least which teams to watch, which players to watch. And for the next few months, we will do that as summertime uh, comes over us. And once the weather starts to chill a little bit, you start feeling that Christmas in the air, uh, you start breaking out the sweaters, uh, start turning off the air conditioning, Fall hits, and the Major League season right then heads to its pennant race. And as the weather gets a little bit cooler, a little bit cooler still, leaves start turning colors, start falling from the trees, the playoffs come, um, and you can tell the season's about to end, you can tell that the year is about to change as well and about to reach its end point, its end, uh, end season as well as winter hits, and baseball kind of goes into hibernation along with so much else. Uh, so it's an outdoor game. It makes sense that its rhythms uh, match the rhythms of the year. But it's something very beautiful about it, too, how well 
uh, it does work. And I can really mark time by the baseball season as well as you can mark time by just about anything. And here we are, and spring is ending and summer is beginning, and Major League season's given us so much already. We've had three no-hitters. We've had historic starts on offense by Mookie Betts and Mike Trout. Betts, who's leading majors in so many major offensive categories. Mike Trout, whose war has a chance to be the best of all time as wins above replacement, best of all time for an offensive player in the live ball era. We have brilliant pitching performances from Justin Verlander and pretty much everyone else on the Houston Astros. We have really intriguing teams like the Houston Astros, uh, surprise teams like the Braves and the Phillies. There's so much to watch as the season goes on, so much to reflect on over the first part. It's going to be fun. Uh, through the summer to really see how all these stories develop, which ones become really the stories of the year. And we'll look forward to doing that weekly here. Uh, before we wrap up this week, though, we want to look at our trivia question of the week, which, again, which team has the best all-time run differential? If you guessed the New York Yankees, you're correct. Uh, the toughest, toughest question of all is what year of the New York Yankees, because they've had so many great teams, and the answer is the 1939 New York Yankees. I would have thought the 1998 Yankees, maybe myself, who have the record for a combined regular season and postseason wins, uh, or the 27 Yankees with that classic offense with Ruth and Gehrig and all the others, but it's the 1939 Yankees with a plus 411 run differential. Plus 411. They scored 967 runs that year, allowed only 556. It's incredible. Uh, interesting to see if anyone can get close to that this year. Again, the Astros are the best right now at plus 122. Not out of the question they could get there, but it's going to be a long, long way to go. Plus 411, uh, 1939 New York Yankees. That's our trivia answer, and that's our show for this week. Thank you so much for listening. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to email us at thebaseballweek at gmail.com. That's thebaseballweek at gmail.com. Again, thanks so much for listening, and have a wonderful week. Take care.